0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It is June 20th, and we just saw the High Point National in Mount Morris, Pennsylvania that went off yesterday. Lots to talk about there. This will be a little bit shorter of a podcast. I just have, honestly, I just have a lot going on. Uh, Father's Day, I went riding today. Uh, I got a fly to California tomorrow, so I'm trying to pack. So just trying to be as transparent as possible, but we're going to cover Exactly what we saw. We'll get into the power rankings, talk about the 250s a little bit as well. Before we do that, I do want to thank all of the gracious sponsors of this podcast. Pirelli Tires, Plum Creek Funding, Guts Racing, Fast Foundry, Works Connection, All Oils, Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, 612 Suspension, Grant Stone Boots, Pro Glow Wash, and Fly Racing. So straight into the 250s we go. And I mean, Jalik Swall. what more can you say? That kind of came out of nowhere, right? I, I did not expect that in any way, shape or form. Surprised me, uh, exceeded my expectations by a country mile, for lack of a better term. That's a really dated reference, I would guess. But good for him, man. It doesn't, I, I have no problem being shocked and amazed at his performance. Obviously he wears fly racing, so that's great. But if you saw this coming, then you should start a podcast because you are a a gentleman and a scholar or a gentlewoman and a scholar. I just don't think you could ever expect that kind of performance from Jaleek yet. There, there has really been no evidence that that was coming. You know, he rode well at the – was it the finale in Salt Lake? One of the Salt Lake rounds he rode pretty well. I, got, I didn't think it was the finale. But not like this. Not where he – wins a moto. And, and you could say RJ, RJ's chain, you know, was a, was a part of that, which is fair, but he was more aggressive. He was more decisive and he looked the part more than I've ever seen him. So incredible ride for Julie. He gets the overall with a one three and we'll see what develops from here. You know, is this the start of something or was it just a, a black Swan day for him? Don't really know. It's only, that's only up to him to, uh, to sort out Justin Cooper, I think that was a pretty big statement day. You know, the first moto wasn't as good at fifth in the first moto. He looked like he was having some vision issues in the rain, which happens. You know, you run out of tear off, and then you're kind of wiping, which which sucks. And on a ruddy track like that, it can really bite you. But the second moto, I thought that was exactly what he needed. You know, in his career, he has always been, uh, to me, kind of the the first runner-up type guy, like the bridesmaid, for lack of a better term. I just really haven't seen him be dominant many races. You know, okay, if you want to say the first Orlando round where all the chaos ensued and the red flags and all that, that's fine. He was. But if you look back over his Lucas Oil promoter career, whether it's Cincerillo or Dylan Ferrandis or whoever, he just seems like he was a, a, just a touch off of those guys all the time. And he would be really good, but not quite as good. And even J-Mart at the beginning of the series, Jet Lawrence at the beginning of the series, I thought that he, and I still believe he needs to assert himself and let everyone know that he is the alpha and he is going to be the guy that everyone has to deal with and think about. And this was a nice step towards that. So we'll see if he can make good on it. He's going to need to continue to do this. But if I was his riding coach or if I had any part of that program, that's the message I would be sending is, hey, this series is up for grabs. You really need to beat a 17-year-old to win this title. And that's really what it's going to come down to. There's really nobody else in my opinion that will be there for all 24 motos. You know, I thought Hunter might be able to get into it, but he had another bad day with crashes. So it's really going to be between Justin Cooper and Jet Lawrence. And you're the veteran. You have great equipment. You've been at the front of this series for several years now, and it's your time. This is your year. You've got to make good on this because you're up against a really inexperienced kid. And I don't mean kid as a derogatory ter- derogatory term. It's just fact. He's 17. So you need to take advantage of this opportunity that, writes are, that is right in front of you. And I wrote in my notes, be the guy in all caps. And, and I think that rings true as you have to be the guy that everyone else is concerned with. And at the end of this series, they all just shrug their shoulders and say, yeah, he was just the best guy in this series. So Jet Lawrence's time is coming. He is going to be winning races in this class for many years to come. If you're Justin Cooper, you just have to send the message that it's just not your time yet. Your time is coming, just not yet. Hunter Lawrence, I mentioned. Yeah, blown opportunity. And uh, I do a Patreon podcast every race day morning uh, if anybody's interested. But when I was recording that on Saturday morning, I mentioned that this was a big race for Hunter because I felt like if he wanted to be if you wanted to turn this series from a two-man two series into a three-man series, it had to start at high point. He really needed to get out, win a moto, put himself on the map, and, and start eating into that points deficit. Well, he had the opportunity, whole shots the first moto, and then he goes off the track and crashes. So really no one to blame but yourself. I don't think really there's a way back into this series now. You're going to need injuries or lots of DNFs or anything like that to get back into it. That doesn't mean he can't win motos. That doesn't mean he can't win overalls. But I think the uh, the gap is just too big now. You know, I, I think you're more racing weekend to weekend than you are kind of big picture. So again, tough break for him. You know, he was doing everything he needed to do to walk down that road that I kind of laid out. But yeah, you have to execute, you know, you, you have to, you have to do every lap and, and be mistake free if you're going to c- dig yourself out of a hole that he was already in. Jet. I mean, he was good, right? 3-2. Not what I expected, though. You know, I think the expectations now are so high for him that if he doesn't win a moto on the weekend, that it's a letdown. I don't know that that's fair. Remember how young of a kid we're talking about? And he's about to turn 18, right? So he is going to mature, and I think uh, the wins are going to come, as you know, I've already mentioned a couple times in this podcast, but it's its so right in front of our faces, the excellence that we are seeing develop but that's just what it is. It's a development process. So, you know, a three, two on a day where maybe you're just not quite feeling it. That's pretty good. That's he's minimizing damage, you know, whether or not that's good enough to win this series is yet to be seen, but I I still thought it was a productive day. If we're, if we're let down and a bit disappointed on a day where you go three, two, then that kind of speaks volumes about where you're at in your career. So nothing to worry about, nothing to stress about, but I think Justin Cooper's second moto should be a bit concerning if you're, you know, on team, uh, team 18. RJ, uh, your heart goes out to him. You know, that should have been a a relatively easy moto win. I mean, he kind of motored through the field there and was already out to an eight second lead. I don't think there was any real risk from Jalik uh, already eight seconds down and then Jalik won the moto. So it's pretty easy to ascertain that RJ was going to win that moto. You know, RJ's in the middle of contract negotiations. He's, trying to get a new deal, whether that's at Rockstar Husqvarna or somewhere else, but these moto wins, you know, are, are important. And I think everybody that was watching sees that he was going to win. So that, that goes a long way, but man, racking up wins, maybe he finds a way to win the overall somehow. That's a big deal. You know, whether or not he's going to get a deal, I don't think is in question. He's going to get a factory ride somewhere. But as I was talking about with, with Jeremy Martin and his injury, the amount that is tied or the, you know, the financial compensation that is tied to that deal is is really where uh, these these results come into play. You know, who has the leverage? That's every negotiation on earth, uh, motocross, sports, you know, uh, merchandising, retail, whatever, any negotiation, who has the leverage? And you always want to create more leverage for yourself in any deal and winning certainly does that. So tough break for RJ, but in the end, I, I don't think it's going to matter too much other than maybe uh, maybe he'll get paid a little less if he doesn't rack up a few wins here. Forkner, last kind of 250 guy I had on my list. Better. I think he went 7-6. Be- better. It's still not on the level that he's paid to be on. He is paid to win. He's one of the, the highest paid 250 guys. And he needs to be on the podium at minimum. That's just, that's the reality of it. You know, whether or not that's fair... Yeah, fair doesn't always matter. You know, the, with high compensation comes high expectation. That's just, that's, that's the world we live in no matter what, you know, if, you, if you're going to get a big paycheck, then that means that Kawasaki and monster and pro circuit and all these sponsors are compensating you because they expect to be up there. And that's, you're absorbing a lot of the resources that they put into the race team and, and sponsorship in general. So with that, when you're absorbing those resources, they want to be on the podium and they're expecting you to do it. Uh, So I still think he needs to be a lot better than he was this weekend, but it was an improvement from Thunder Valley. So if you're looking for a silver lining, that's it, is that it was better. So he's got another weekend off next weekend. He's got another opportunity to put in a ton of work and to come out at Redbud and take another step forward. And if if you recall before Paula, the very first interview he did before the season, he mentioned that he wanted to just take steps forward. If the first race was a top 10, the second race, he wanted a top five. If that was a top five, then a top three and so on and so on. So if you want to look at it in the the purest sense, then okay. Right. This was a step forward from Thunder Valley. Now he took a step back from Paula to Thunder Valley, but this was a step forward and he can use that to build off of. And, And you're just trying to stack things in your direction. And a lot of this is, is so mental and you're trying to build confidence and keep your self-esteem up and enthusiasm and confidence and all those things, right? You want to just be every day waking up with a smile on your face that you're going to go do your job and get better. And things are improving. You're going down the right path and the, and the work that you're doing is paying off. So in that vein or that, you know, line of thinking then I think High Point was a, right, a step in the right direction. You can lean on that and say, okay, we were better today. We need to get better. This isn't good enough, but we were better, and we're going to go to work tomorrow with that in mind, that we're going to continue to get better. And then at Redbud, this this hard work is going to pay off then too, and that's really all you can do. 450 class, I mean, what more can you ask for than the racing we got? Those battles were insane. That's some of the best racing we've had in years, uh, I mean, unquestionably, some of the best battling we've had in a very long time. When the gate drops in the 450 class, you literally have no idea who's going to win. There's, I don't know, four, five, six, seven, eight guys that could win motos right now. It's it's a, a great time to be watching 450 racing. There's a ton of parody. It's really competitive, uh, and yeah, the the 450 class is just delivering right now. So we'll jump into the power rankings. Uh, at number ten, Joey Savacchi. You know he's been on the the cusp of the power rankings going back into Supercross, and then you know he's been getting better in this motocross series. He gets a top ten result. I think he got ninth overall at a uh, at High Point. If he had made one more pass, I think he he would have uh, moved up one or two more spots. So there's there's a lot of people really close in the points there at High Point. So he's kind of you know stacking building blocks on top of each other and trying to get better and better and work him himself back towards that top five. You know, he, you go back to 2019 when he was on factory Kawasaki, he was in that top five mix. You know, you, if you saw him running fifth, you weren't really surprised. And that's really what he's trying to get back to after a really tough year at JGR Suzuki. He knows where he wants to be. He's doing the work that it takes to get there. It's just a really tough process in arguably the deepest 450 motocross class we've ever seen. So I think a top 10 was a nice step for him. Marvin Muskan at nine, it's kind of been a so-so season so far for Marvin. You know, he ended the Supercross season so well, and he was in the middle of a contract negotiation, which I would imagine is wrapped up by now. I haven't heard anything, but I'm just going to guess that it hasn't gone on for a month and a half. That would be pretty extraordinary for him. I expect him to end up at Red Bull KTM again, but it's been underwhelming so far. I think that's fair to say. So I have him at nine. Not horrible, but not great. And I would give him kind of a C plus on the motocross season so far. I think he can be better. He can get better. I don't know what the the magic ingredient it is. I'm sure starts would help. But then again, at Thunder Valley, he got the whole shot and he ended up ninth. So maybe it's not the starts. Maybe it's something else. So we'll see what the rest of the season brings for Marvin. But it hasn't been uh, all that impressive so far. Webb, I have at eight. And you could argue that Marvin should be ahead of Webb. I, I I'm still giving Webb the benefit of the doubt because of the supercross championship, but keep in mind, I've moved Webb back a lot based off of his results. He went seven 11 this weekend and you know, his interview with uh, Jason Wygant on Friday before high point was pretty telling. You know, he mentioned he didn't ride one day of motocross until the season was over. And I've told you guys on this podcast, I was the same way. I would focus everything I had on supercross until it was done. And then I would shift my focus. And him taking a week off after Salt Lake just put him further behind than he already was. So he's digging himself out of a, a really big hole as far as preparation goes, and that's playing out in the results. Now, does he get better from here? Most likely. Is he going to find a way to be winning motos anytime soon? That's, that's a different conversation entirely because he's pretty far off that pace. Uh, if you look at an entire 35-minute moto, you know, he's pretty far back at the end of the moto right now. So he's got a lot of time to make up. He is starting really well, which is a big part of the equation. It makes life easier, but I think he's got a lot of work to do between now and winning. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, If he can stay healthy, you know, I like his chances to be a a podium level guy by the end of the series. Justin Barsha at seven, eh, not a great day. You know, he was getting past, which we haven't really seen in the first uh, two rounds, you know, Guys were able to go around him, Chase Sexton and a few other guys were making passes at will. And usually you see a lot more fight from Barsha. You know, if somebody passes him, he'll make he'll strike right back. He wasn't able to do that. So I don't know if it was just uh, something being uncomfortable with the track or he just wasn't feeling it. You never really know um, with these guys unless they come out and tell you. There could be it could be any number of things, you know, just couldn't find the right setting with the bike, maybe he was under the weather. It could be anything, uh, but it was a noticeable drop off in performance from Barsha. He just didn't have the fight and the pace to move forward that we saw at the first two rounds. So just something to keep an eye on. I don't think it's a change in trend or anything like that, but it just wasn't, it wasn't his day. So I'll, I'll keep him at seven and uh, I'll just wait to see what Redbud brings for him. Number six, I have Plessinger and man, didn't you think he was going to win that second moto when he grabbed the whole shot? I know I did. Uh, he made mention after the race that they went really the wrong way uh, in the bike settings for the second moto. they were trying to adjust one thing. Jason Wygant reported on this. They were trying to adjust one thing and they screwed up a bunch of other things. Uh, and you don't know right without specifics, he could have wanted to make the bike turn better. He could have wanted it to handle better down the hills because there was there were a lot of passing being done there. And when you, you know, you could adjust ride height, you could change front tires, you could change the races inside the triple clamps. It could be any number of things that they adjusted and it threw off lots of other things, right? It's, I'm completely speculating as to what those changes were. I'm just trying to give you an idea of what they could be. And you get all of these unintended consequences, negative consequences. And it sounded like that really screwed up a second moto. So I still think he's, uh, he's having a great summer, and we'll see more of him. You know, probably the biggest letdown of the day was that it didn't pour down rain. You know, it wasn't muddy, which I think all of us were looking at as, uh, man, what a great opportunity it would have been if it was muddy. I think he probably would have won in those conditions. He just seems like he benefits the most if conditions go sideways. But still a decent day. And, uh, yeah, a lot of contract talk going on around Plessinger, whether he goes to KTM or stays at Yamaha. Uh, I don't know. I'm not, you know, clued into those conversations, but I know there's just a lot of back and forth. So stay tuned to that. I thought the KTM deal was was done, but it sounds like maybe it's not. So we'll see. Chase Sexton at five, just kind of feels like it's, it's right for him. He feels like a fifth place guy right now. I almost put uh, Plessinger ahead of him. I'm still weighing that first moto at Paula for Sexton. Like he was just, he seemed like he was the best guy on the track in that moto. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave Sexton where he is at five. I do think we'll see Sexton win a moto before this is all said and done this season. Uh, he was a strong second in that first moto, and he just tipped over, just his own mistake, just front wheel got away from him going into that rut. But I, I really like what I'm seeing from Sexton. He's still progressing. He's getting better. He's getting more comfortable in this class. Uh nothing to worry about. Uh, I'm still very optimistic about Sexton's chances long term. AC at 4. I mean he won that first moto. Great job. Start to finish, made it happen. He's still fighting the arm pump bug which he's got to get sorted out. Uh, you could literally see him pumping up in that first moto and those guys closed in on him. You know, thankfully and and good job to him. He was able to to fight it off, but he needs a a long-term solution to the arm pump issues because if it's something that you can't sort out, it's, it's going to be a problem until you do like, it's just going to keep rearing its head and it's going to ruin motos for you more times than not. You know, arm pump is one of the, the oldest stories in the motocross book. You know, everybody battles it at some point. I I don't know many people in the sports history who haven't dealt with it at some point. So I hope he figures it out because I think the series is better when AC is riding at his best. You know, his sprint speed is right up there with anybody worldwide. uh, But arm pump has a way of completely eradicating sprint speed. So still a great job though. What do you go? uh, One, three on the day. Uh, What was it? One, four, maybe one, four, Uh, but still just an awesome ride in that first moto. And uh, I think it's just the first of many to come. Number three is Tomac. I mean, what the hell with that second moto? Where was that been for a year and a half? Just an incredible explosive performance. And that's, that's what we expect from Eli Tomac. That was the 17, 18 and 19 Eli Tomac that we were used to seeing. And then it just, it just vanished. So now the question is, did he turn a corner? Are we going to see more of that? Or was it just a one-off where he happened to slip back into his old mode? And, you know, he's the only one that can answer it. I don't even want to speculate at this point because it's 50 50. Uh, I would say it's less likely that we'll see more of it. Or, or I think we'll see more of it. It's just not going to be a an every moto type thing. Whatever has gone on in the last year and a half for Eli, I don't know if it's been a year, let's say the last year, I think it's just a combination of age and priority shifting, and lots of things. It happens to everybody. Father time is undefeated in this sport. But we saw a glimpse into what he's capable of. And if he finds a way to harness that the rest of the summer, these guys are in big trouble. Now, he's 54 points down. That's a huge problem. So Ferrandis may be like, yeah, that's fine. Every other moto or whatever you want to go destroy us, great. That's fine. I'll be here every single moto. And when you turn in a 10th, I'll get second. And you know what's going to happen at the end of the series? I'll be way in front of you. So that's how I would be approaching it if I'm Roxen or, or Ferrandis or any of these guys. I think they know deep down if Tomac's feeling it, they're all in trouble. But it just doesn't seem like Tomac is able to uh, draw on that you know rare ability when he wants to. He can't conjure it at his, at his own bidding. It just comes and goes. And, and it doesn't seem like there's anything he can do about when it comes and goes. So we'll see, but it should not take away from anything uh, you want to say about that second moto. That was the pace he had, the lap he passed in Cirillo was extraordinary. Just unbelievable. I mean, jaw-dropping speed where you don't know if anybody else on earth can go that fast. Like, seriously, that one lap, that intensity and that pace. Okay, maybe or maybe Hurlings, I don't know, know. But if you want to... Get into the discussion of why do American fans think that Tomac is the best ever and that he can go beat Hurlings and Geiser and and why we always expected him to dominate at Motocross the Nations and why we're always so disappointed when he hasn't is because we see a lap like that and we see a moto like that and we know what he's capable of. We know what's possible if he can find a way to control it and exploit it when he wants to. So yeah, great to see. I mean, super exciting. It kind of made the the race like it was really the story of the race, in my opinion. Number two, Dylan Ferrandis, and he does have the red plate. So you can you can ask why he's not number one, but I I just think Roxon's been so impressive. And you look at his Supercross season; he wins a bunch of races, falls off at the end. But if you look at Roxon's year as a whole, I just don't think I, that Ferrandis can match that yet. Right? Ferrandis goes two two. For the win, great day, and I believe he he deserves to be at number two right now. But after two two moto scores with the overall, I'm fine with it. I mean, he's your series points leader. He's been incredible breakout performance this summer. He absolutely belongs to be a 450 podium guy, and he's living up to you know the billing that Monster Yamaha gave him. And there's really nothing negative to say. I don't think being number two in the power rankings is a slight whatsoever. I just think Roxon's overall year has been a tad more impressive to date. So number one, without further ado, Ken Roxon and his first lap of the second moto, where he was just blowing past everybody, was uh, that's vintage Ken Roxon. You know, the the Millville of 2016 was probably more impressive because he went to the front, he got to the lead. But if you were really paying attention, Roxon was doing just heroic things back there, passing people where there was no room to pass using lines that I didn't even know existed. And he's just such a rare talent in that aspect where he can make things work where it doesn't look like it's, it's physically possible. And and he's putting sections of the track together that other people don't even see. Like, and I I'm looking at it from my own perspective. You know, the lines I chose were really straightforward. I would go into the good rut and try to Piece lines together that made sense. But I think that a guy like Roxanne looks at the track differently than most people do. And it partially, 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 partly, I'm inventing words on this podcast. I think that's due in part to his background coming from the GPs and riding all of these unique racetracks that a lot of Americans haven't. I think he just views the racetrack in a different manner than most do. So the way he'll approach a corner. Where all these lines have been established by the riders all day, well, in his mind, his entry angle and exit angle should be different. So maybe he cuts across all those ruts because that's how he views the racetrack should be ridden, uh, and, and it's just a unique aspect to his riding. and And I I really attribute that to his his upbringing and and MXGP races and just the way you have to attack those tracks versus the way you have to or riders like to attract uh, American deeper tracks with, you know, all these ruts and all the corners instead of sweeping through a corner with a bunch of momentum. So that's just kind of the way I see it. Uh, so that's your top 10. Obviously a lot of shifting around, you know, Webb has dropped back significantly, but I think he's deserved to, you know, he hasn't been very good so far. Tomac's kind of hanging around that top three. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a week to week and I'm really starting to weigh outdoor results more that we have more information. Um, but man, what a great series. You know, I, I have no idea who's going to win this championship. I love to be able to say that, you know, I think Tomac's in a, in a, a bad place. He's riding better than ever in that second moto, but 54 points, you need a lot of help. I mean, you need crashes and mechanicals and you just, or if you just go win everything, you know, you win out, that's one way to do it. But I don't think that's possible in this class right now. It's just too deep. And Tomac hasn't really shown any sort of consistency on that front either. So I think it comes, comes down to Roxanne and Ferrandis. You know, can, can Kenny maintain this level as the races get hotter and your body starts to wear down? You know, we're going to go into a four-race back-to-back-to-back-to-back stretch. When we get to Redbud, it's going to go Redbud, Southwick, Millville, uh, Washugal in a row before we get another weekend off. So that's going to be tough. That's going to be a real, a real challenge for all these guys. A lot of flying. You know, you think about the first one, Redbud, okay, no big deal, back to Florida, then up to Massachusetts, not too terrible, back to Florida, then all the way to uh, Millville. That's a pretty, that's like a three, three and a half hour flight, pretty long, back to Florida, then all the way to, to Washougal. So maybe, maybe Kenny goes from Millville to California, and then that shortens down your travel. I could see that happening because the Millville home or And then Washougal home is a brutal, that's a brutal travel, uh, stretch there over the course of eight or nine days. So just watch for that. It's something that we always have to think about with Kenny because he has shown a propensity for his body to just, it just won't hold up over time. And that's, that's not his fault. That's, that's a result of surgeries and injuries and, you know, all these things that he's dealt with, uh, health-wise over the years. I do think this week and weekend off coming up are, are critical. Because if you really look at the series, we've never seen this much time off in between rounds that I know of ever uh, in a motocross series. So there is ample testing opportunity. And if you're behind the eight ball, a la Cooper Webb, you've got to figure it out right now. Because as I mentioned with Roxon, you're going to get this week to really put in a ton of work. The weekend maybe to recover, work hard the first couple of days leading into red bud, and then you need to rest and recover for the race. But then you're going to get these, these four races in a row that you're really just going to be focusing on getting back to hundred percent strength. You're not going to be able to put in a ton of hard work and testing because if you do, you're going to suffer on the weekends. So the time is now The time was, you know, the last few weeks we've had, we've had these off weekends to really put a dent into your, uh, deficiencies. And maybe that's where Tomac got better. Maybe you're seeing that hard work start to pay off and that testing start to pay off. We don't know, but you have another opportunity. So I would expect Monday morning, these guys are going to be hard at it. They're going to be putting in some of their hardest effort and work of the season, On Monday morning, because you have time to recover, you have time to rest next weekend and next week. So just watch for that. You'll probably see a lot of social media of guys riding and training and really busting their butts. Because once we get into that four week in a row stretch, they're going to have to back it down a little bit. That's just a necessary part of it. You know, rest is sometimes more important than the work. You know, if you're not, I say this on this podcast quite a bit, but if you're not a hundred percent as strong as you can possibly be on Saturday morning of the race then you're doing something wrong. You're you're really not doing yourself any any justice and you're doing yourself a disservice by working too hard during the week because the race is all that matters. You are judged on Saturdays. How well you ride during the week or how much work you put on on the weekend is completely irrelevant if you're tired on Saturday and you can't show up and perform. So just something to keep in mind. MotoGP for those of you who don't care, that's fine. But a lot of you do watch MotoGP and Mark Marquez got it done. Now think about this. He's never been beaten at the Soxen Ring in Germany, ever. So to see him win, not surprising. But if you've been watching him lately, it is a little surprising because he's struggled coming back from these, you know, momentous injuries he's had. I was so happy for Marquez. I mean, he's had a really rough go the last year or so, you know, breaks his arm, breaks it again, multiple surgeries, infections, all these things went on. And a really emotional win for him today. And the sport's just better when he's at his best. So, you know, he dominated the sport for a long time. I'm sure there are many people who are ready to see new winners. And you've gotten that for the last year. There's been, a you know, Fabio and uh, unfortunately, Divisioso left. But even uh, Jack Miller and Zarco and these guys, they're all winning, right? So you're getting some parity. But I think just throwing Mark in there, uh, it just adds to the series. Mark Marquez is arguably the biggest star of the sport. You know, okay, let's take Rossi out of the picture. But uh, I think Mark carries a lot of weight. And uh, yeah, he just makes the series better. I still think this is Fabio Cortoraro's series to lose. If you look at, you know, he got his arm pump issue fixed. And really, more importantly, the Yamaha seems to be more well-rounded. It doesn't have these huge weaknesses where we saw last year it was just some of the rounds, man, these guys couldn't even ride it. Uh, so whatever they addressed seems to be working. And I just, I I think Fabio is going to end up your champion this year. Uh, we will see though, like there's a lot of racing to be left and maybe, you know, some of those gremlins from last year rear their head, but I just don't see anybody consistent enough. And that's going to win enough to really challenge Fabio. I just think it's his year. So, uh, on the, the bike issue, I, I think, I still have questions on the Honda before I get too far away from Marquez. I don't think that twenty one two uh, thirteen V or whatever you know that the, these MotoGP bikes have these crazy names. Uh, if you're not very familiar with it, but Honda's is the usually the RC two thirteen V. I think it has issues. I think Mark not being able to test for a really long time and you know the switch to Pol Espargaro coming onto the team. I just think they took a step backwards with the bike. Uh, I, I know they've been testing a ton with Mark lately, so maybe they're getting it better. And maybe that was why you saw him so much better at Sox and Ring. I think it will be much more telling when we get to the next round, if Mark is able to carry that form or was it just kind of Germany being Germany, right? Because he's so good there, he could probably overcome any deficiencies and make up for any gaps that he's going to have at other tracks. So More questions than answers there, uh, but just something I don't think we can just say, yep, everything's fine. Honda's good. Marquez is good. Uh, I think we're going to need more evidence to sort that out. So that's it for this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Told you it was going to be a little bit shorter than normal. Still want to thank Pirelli. Palm Creek Funding Guts Racing. Go get yourself some custom graphics made. Get yourself that RJ Wide Wing seat. Fast Foundry Works Connection. Those Pro Launch Start devices ripping hole shots as always saw those guys out front again. Blends all with that Ultra TPI, that brand new blend they have. Premier Vapor Blasting. 612 suspension. Grant Stone boots. I got some brand new boots. If you guys saw my Instagram, I got the, the uh, tan Chelsea suede, and they are insane. I wore, them, uh, I wore them out for my birthday last night, and they're just incredible. So if you need some new boots or in the market for them, check out Grant Stone at Grant Stone on Instagram and GrantStoneBoot.com. ProGlow. Uh, moto 15 is your promo code there. And, uh, I got my bike awful dirty today riding. So I'm going to need to use my ProGo wash to get that thing dialed in and then check out flyracing.com. Uh, the new line will be out in about a month, a little over a month. Now we'll have the uh, 2022 line out. So that's it for this week. Thanks again. I'll do i uh, I'll do a podcast next weekend. We'll, uh, do we have a race? Yeah, I think they're in Matterly for, uh, MXGP. I will be in Italy for the Red Bud round. So I will be doing the podcast from Italy, uh, on the 4th of July. So I'll cover Red Bud and, uh, Majora when I'm in Italy. And then of course, you know, every week we'll, we'll find something to talk about. So thanks again and see you.